لله وكفى وسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى ما بعد فاعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم انهم فتيه امنوا بربهم وزدناهم هدى سبحان ربك رب العزه عما يصفون وسلام على المرسلين الحمد لله رب العالمين اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى ال سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى ال سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى ال سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم الله سبحانه وتعالى ان سوره الكهف هي ديسكسز ذا ستوري اوف ا جروب اوف يوث اند هي سايز نحن نقص عليك نباهم بالحق وي ويل ناريت تو يو وي ويل تيل يو ذا ستوري اوف اوف ا جروب اوف يوث And we don't know what the number of it is. In fact, it's debated in the Qur'an, whether it's three, four, five, six, seven. And then he says, إِنَّهُمْ فِتْيَةٌ آمَنُوا بِرَبِّهِمْ وَزِدْنَاهُمْ هُدَىٰ That verily they were youth who believed and believed in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala وَزِدْنَاهُمْ هُدَىٰ And we increased them in guidance. So this group of youth And we all know the story. They were living at a time in which there was, um, where it was difficult to practice deen. It was difficult to practice their deen, both in time and in place, meaning the environment around them wasn't conducive to the, uh, for, for one to easily progress toward Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala highlights here, as the ulama comment on this verse, that it was because these this group of youth had strived that they had made a significant effort to become close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and as a result of it they were able to attract Allah ta'ala's mercy and his attention وَزِدْنَاهُمْ هُدَانَ Allah ta'ala as a result of that he increased them in their guidance despite their environment being bad they had stood up and remained firm in their belief in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala And as a consequence of that, Allah Ta'ala's special tawajjuh, His special attention, was on this group of people. So much so that He then narrates their story in the Qur'an. Which highlights for us that our focus shouldn't be on what's happening all around us. Our focus should be on what our relationship is with Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala at all times. Just like these youth were focused on pleasing Allah and making Allah Ta'ala their goal, a consequence of that was that Allah Ta'ala increased them in their guidance. Similarly for us, we should be less concerned with what's happening around us. We should be more concerned with what's happening inside of us. We should be most concerned with what's happening inside of us. And if we do it, if we do focus on ourselves, And if we focus and make our focus Allah Ta'ala, meaning Allah Ta'ala and less so the other distractions of this world, which is everything of this world other than Allah is a distraction from Allah. If we make that our focus, then what will occur as a consequence of that is that Allah Ta'ala's special attention, His mercy, His tawajjuh, His attention will fall upon us. It will fall upon us. You know, Sometimes we get caught up in what's happening around us. You know, people are doing this, Muslims are doing that, you know, people that don't believe are doing this, etc. But our focus is on Allah Ta'ala. Our focus is on Allah Ta'ala. 
And the secret to this deen is that if we direct our focus, direct ourselves toward Allah Ta'ala, and if so if we direct our focus toward Allah Ta'ala, Allah Ta'ala will subsequently direct His focus upon us. فَذْكُرُونِي أَذْكُرْكُمْ Allah Ta'ala says in the Qur'an, Remember me, <coughs> and I'll remember you. It's so simple, right? I mean, if some people, we often ask the question, you know, how can it, how is it that Allah Ta'ala, uh, I can attract His attention unto me? Or how is it that I can have Allah Ta'ala remember me? Right? That, that's often the question that goes through our mind when we put in all this effort, especially in Ramadan. How is it that I can bring Allah Ta'ala uh, to, to remember me? It's such a simple uh, equation. فَذْكُرُونِ If you remember me, I'll remember you. That's all you have to do. <coughs> you don't have to do anything too fancy. <coughs> you don't have to remain in the masjid the entire night. <coughs> you don't have to <coughs> complete an entire Qur'an and then make dua to me. And then at that point, I'll remember you. You want Allah Ta'ala to think about you, which is the most special thing that we have in this universe. It's more special than you know, our clothes, our jobs, our health. More than anything would be those few moments or, or those moments where Allah actually remembers us. That's the most special thing on this planet. It's nothing that even compares or competes with it. And the equation is so simple. In order for a person to have Allah Ta'ala remember them, all they have to do is think about Allah. You think about Allah and then Allah thinks about you. The more you think about Allah, the more Allah Ta'ala will think about you. The more you remember Allah, the more Allah Ta'ala will remember you. So, that's the secret to this deen. If we direct ourselves toward Allah and we make our focus Allah Ta'ala, then Allah Ta'ala will make us His focus. If we want to become special servants of Allah, or the special creation of Allah, if we focus on Allah, Allah Ta'ala will then consequently focus His attention on us. That's the key. And... I wanted to discuss for the focus group that's here and it's in Irtikaf and that you know have been coming to Irtikaf you know even last year many of you were here and you've been coming to the gatherings for the last you know few years that we've had on the importance of self-improvement self-purification and the path of suluk which is the journey that a person takes to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala I thought we would cover some simple principles, perhaps it's academic, um, but that inshallah will help all of us as we progress in our journey to Allah Ta'ala. So the path of suduk, suduk literally it means it comes from the, the root letters of you know seen, lam and kaf, you know, which means takes the meaning of uh, a path. Suluk is the masr, it means it's a path. It's a path to something. It could be to anything. But when we're referring to suluk, especially those of us that are concerned with becoming close to Allah Ta'ala, suluk is the journey that an individual takes to Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. Everyone in some way, shape, or form is a student. We're all students. Um, and when it comes to the path of suluk, we're all students who are on this journey and aiming to become close to Allah Ta'ala. And there's four journeys, four, four steps along that journey to reaching Allah Ta'ala. The, there are four steps. And these are, these are, it's called Sayyid. Sayyid is a, it's a, the journey. And there's Arba'ah, there's four of them. And the first journey that a person takes to Allah, the first step that a person takes in their journey to Allah is called Sayyid ila Allah. Which means that journey toward Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. Now, what this means is that a person recognizes at some point in their life that Allah Ta'ala should be 100% of their focus 
and everything else other than Allah Ta'ala is a distraction. When a person comes to this realization, just this realization, we're not talking about action, this is just a realization that engulfs them, whether it be in the mind or in the heart, then they've begun this journey toward Allah, and this is called Sayyid ilallah. And in this first state, there's two possibilities. The first possibility is that a person is completely heedless of Allah Ta'ala their entire life, meaning they're distanced from Allah, maybe they're, they've, um, they know about salah, they've heard about fasting, uh, they heard about making Allah Ta'ala happy with them, they come to the masjid from time to time, but they don't recognize that Allah Ta'ala is the focus in life, their own, and it should be their only focus in life, and at some point comes a realization into their life that perhaps they should move away from focusing on this dunya and the occurrences and the happenings of this dunya and they move and refixate or realign their focus with making Allah Ta'ala their goal. Once this realization comes into their mind and into their heart, they've now begun this journey and they're at the first stage of this journey. That's one possibility of how a person reaches this, this state. The second way by which a person reaches this state is that they... Um, they understand that Allah Ta'ala is their Lord, but they are, and they understand that Allah Ta'ala is, a, uh, is, a, is of course, the, their Lord and Creator, but that the focus of Allah Ta'ala isn't the goal of deen. They don't, they don't come to that realization. So they're involved in various activities, they're involved in different organizations, different projects, and they hop around from one to another to another, seeking Allah Ta'ala, uh, or, or seeking, I should say, the, the goods of this deen. And eventually, they come and settle on this realization that, look, there's nothing there for me. There's the, the ultimate benefit lies in me focusing on Allah Ta'ala. Everyone that traverses this journey will eventually get to the state of realization, whether it be that they were completely heedless of Allah, and at some point in their life, they somehow realized that Allah Ta'ala was the goal, or they traveled from here and there and here and there, and they sought, right? They sought, um, they, they looked here, they looked there, they, they looked here, they looked there, but eventually they then came to one focused approach of how they're going to become close to Allah Ta'ala. Once that realization hits, they're now in this first stage. The, the, so those are the two ways by which a person reaches a state. What happens, in so, and so we all fall into one of these two categories. At some point, and we're all here now, and the vast majority of us have realized that Allah Ta'ala should be our goal and our focus in life and anything other than Allah Ta'ala is a distraction from us. Either we came here to this place, meaning this spiritual state, by being heedless of Allah and Allah Ta'ala opening up our heart. Some of us are in that category. And this, many of us are in this category where there was some point in our life, it may have been, for instance, you know, when we were <clears throat> a senior in high school or it could have been when we were in our 20s or 30s or, or 40s and something hit us. There was that one salah that we remember praying and we felt so connected to Allah. Or there was that one gathering that we had come to and there was something about that gathering that reminded us of Allah. Some people, it was last year's Irtikaf. It was the first time they came and they realized that their whole focus in life has been other than Allah and now it's time for them to refocus on Allah. They'd been heedless of Allah, heedless of everything and then they came toward Allah. <coughs> so that's usually, that, that's usually how a person comes to the state. The other way by which a person comes again is they search and search and search. Some of us are in that. We search here, we search there. We're trying to fit 
<clears throat> find that place where we can become focused on Allah and eventually we settle on it. Some of us are in that, in that category. <clears throat> Irrespective of how we came to this place, <clears throat> how we came to this state, the first step, uh, that's, that's the first step, that a person comes to this realization. And that's called Sayyid uh, ilallah, that journey toward Allah Ta'ala. Finally, that person attaches himself. The second stage is called Sayyid Fillah. That literally translates as the journey in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, which obviously isn't possible, but it's that journey in which a person begins to take steps and makes an active effort toward becoming close to Allah ta'ala. And the majority of us are in this state, this second state. Some of us maybe are still in, our, in the first state, but in this journey toward Allah ta'ala, many of us, you know, we, we, most of us, essentially all of us, we are in the second state of making an active effort to making Allah Ta'ala our goal. What happens in this state is that a person now has come to the realization that Allah Ta'ala is their focus in life, and now they have to take practical steps toward making their relationship with Allah Ta'ala better and becoming closer to Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. They begin to realize that this needs to occur, and they are then taking active steps. This is the second journey of the the second place along the journey of the Salik. Sayyid Fillah. So what happens in this stage is that a person develops a routine for themselves. And this is the stuff that we've been emphasizing for you know a few years now. Certainly, if anyone had come to the gathering that we had in January where we talked about the essentials of spirituality and how a person becomes to Allah, close to Allah Ta'ala, we talked about in detail. And if you, if you haven't, if you weren't able to attend it, you can find the recordings online. We talked about in detail, if a person wants to become close to Allah Ta'ala, what are the practical steps that they need to take in order to uh, traverse that path along the course to Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. The focus when a person is on this path is on their dhikr. Is on their dhikr. Dhikr is the tool by which a person becomes close to Allah Ta'ala. And we can't take the effect of dhikr lightly. It is the most important person, important principle or form of a person's development. The more dhikr that a person does, the more that person will be able to progress in deen. The more dhikr that a person does, the more that person will be able to progress in deen. And the deeper we will be in our progression to Allah Ta'ala. So we're all in the second state. Our focus at this point in our life, or at this stage in our life, is to drown in the dhikr of Allah Ta'ala. Become so engaged in the dhikr of Allah Ta'ala, recognizing full well that our spiritual progress is dependent upon this. So it's important for all of us to be regular in our dhikr, and to perform dhikr abundantly and excessively. Now, what do we mean when we're talking, when we're referring to dhikr? Number one, it's recitation of the Qur'an, which is dhikr of the kalam, the word of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. All of us, on a regular basis, should be reciting a set, uh, a set portion of Qur'an every single day. This is essential for the soul. This is essential for the second stage of development. Everyone should be reciting Qur'an every single day. There's no exception to this rule. The goal is to recite at least a half an hour of Qur'an every day. There's no better form of dhikr than the Qur'an. And our goal should be that we are so connected with the Qur'an that we recite 15, 20, at least 30 minutes of Qur'an every day. When a person recites the Qur'an, 
they again are attracting Allah Ta'ala's attention. And when Allah Ta'ala's attention is on that person, then that person spiritually develops. So the first thing is Qur'an, and we've talked about it. The second thing is istighfar. Every single day a person should do istighfar. There's no day that should go by in our life where we haven't done istighfar. Every day we should do at least a hundred times in the morning, we should, we should do istighfar. Not just from our tongues, but from our hearts. We should seek Allah Ta'ala's forgiveness. And every evening we should at least a hundred times recite istighfar. Every e- morning, every evening. The reality is that although, you know, when, when we're talking about these states, although, you know, many of us are now in the second state, or second, uh, second state of our progress, this isn't an accomplishment, right? If anything, this is a recognition of how weak we are. When a person recognizes how weak they are and how faulty they are and the numerous mistakes that, are making, that they're making over the course of a 24-hour day, they begin to realize that they need to clean up that mess that they've, that they've been making every single day. And the way by which a person cleans up that mess, you know, removes that filth and dirt that they've accumulated over years, but certainly over the course of a 24-hour day, is by doing istighfar. So we sit down every day, every morning after Fajr and every evening after Maghrib, where we sit down, we focus on Allah Ta'ala, and we begin to wipe away the filth that we've accumulated over the course of the day. And we say, Astaghfirullah, or Astaghfirullah Rabbi, min kulli dhanbi wa atubu ilayh. It's not something that we just recite a hundred times as quick as possible, but rather we engage ourselves in this form of worship, recognizing that, look, I need to spiritually develop, and for as long as this filth is going to be sitting on my heart, this heart isn't going to become purified. I need to wipe away the sins that have accumulated, the filth, anything other than Allah Ta'ala that's accumulated in my heart. I need to remove that. So every day, a person should be engaged in istighfar. That's number two. The third thing is salawat. We've talked about it, the importance of doing salawat the, upon the Prophet Sallallahu is essential to the spiritual development of a person. Every day, 100 times in the morning, we should recite salawat upon the Prophet Allahumma salli ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala ali Sayyidina Muhammad wa barik wa sallam. This is essential for the soul. Not a day should go by without us reflecting upon the Prophet and without us sending peace and blessings and salutations upon the Prophet So every morning, we should do this 100 times and every evening, we should do it 100 times. You could do more if you want, but the the bare minimum, or at least you could say uh, what's required at this stage of spiritual development is that a person recite salawat in the morning and in the evening. So the first is recitation of the Qur'an. The second is istighfar. The third is salawat in the Prophet ﷺ. The fourth is muraqabah. We've talked about muraqabah, you know, uh, and most of you now have been uh, at least engaging yourself in, in muraqabah at least for some, uh, at some uh, point in the day. Muraqabah is just another form of dhikr, dhikr khafi. It's a silent form of dhikr. It's a form of dhikr that is where a person engages themselves, engages their heart in the remembrance of Allah. The first three are us engaging our tongues in the remembrance of Allah Ta'ala. That a person that's who, who's at this state in their spiritual, who's at this state uh, in their, uh, or this stage in their progression toward Allah Ta'ala, they then begin, they then have to engage their heart in the dhikr of Allah Ta'ala as well. Target that um, the, the source of, of what drives us every single day Directly focusing on Allah Ta'ala So we should spend time doing muraqabah And muraqabah is a very powerful form of dhikr It's the form of dhikr that many of us think uh, that, that many of us will achieve spiritual progress with Every day we should be spending 15, 20, 30 you know, while we're in the masjid, maybe 40, 45 minutes of muraqabah. And I'll talk about muraqabah uh, in a little bit. The fifth thing is wuquf. Wuquf is where a person 
at any given point in time during the day, they focus their heart on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So no matter where they are, no matter if they're at the store, no matter if they're working, no matter if they're at school, no matter if they're with their families, no matter if they're in the masjid, they're always thinking that Allah Ta'ala is watching them. When a person <coughs> is, is doing wuquf, what they're doing is they're imagining that Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala is constantly watching them. We know this. Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala sees everything, right? Huwa sami'ul basir. He sees everything that happens. And He most certainly sees us at this very moment. He sees us when we're sleeping. He sees us when we're walking, when we're talking. There's no time during the day where Allah Ta'ala is not watching us. So we have to bring that notion into our life as well. It isn't just that we accept that Allah Ta'ala watches us. Rather, we want our hearts to be in a state where we recognize that Allah Ta'ala is always watching us. Or we, better said, we want our hearts to be in a state constantly where it is in recognition of Allah Ta'ala watching us. Okay, does that make sense? So that's the fifth uh, That's the fifth um, responsibility of a person who's in this second state who's progressing toward Allah Ta'ala. Now, of these five things, all of which are very important, muraqaba is the, it's that power, it's the fuel that allows us to make progress. Now, many of us have been doing muraqaba now for some time, and yet we're struggling, we're continuing to struggle with it. Simply put, all it is, is that a person sits down, they preferably face the qibla, if possible sit on the ground, because sitting on the ground is the sunnah of the Prophet and they just close their eyes, focus on their heart, and they imagine that their heart is calling out Allah Ta'ala's name. There's, not, there's no action of the tongue. There's no thoughts that, are, are, that we should be thinking in our mind. We're just focusing on our heart and imagining that our hearts are focusing on Allah Ta'ala. The first several times that a person does this, sometimes even the first several months that a person does muraqaba, they, are, they will struggle. You know, all of these thoughts will come into their mind. They'll begin to think about sports and think about work and think about school. And all this is doing for us is it's highlighting for us in our life who our, what our competitors are with Allah Ta'ala. Again, our focus is Allah. Our goal is Allah Ta'ala. So a person who's very and completely focused on Allah Ta'ala, when they sit in muraqaba, all they should be able to think about or hear is the name of Allah Ta'ala, uh, the dhikr of Allah Ta'ala, the name of Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala being performed. When it comes to muraqaba, um, there's, uh, it's, again, this is a very simple form of dhikr. And many people say, you know, this, is, this seems too simplistic. There has to be more. Is there any movement? Is there any feeling I should get? But that, those are all distractions. That's not, our focus is on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. None of that occurs. There's three states, or there's three states that a person can be when they're engaged in the dhikr of the heart. There's three states that a person can be when they're engaged in dhikr of the heart, which is muraqaba. The first is that that person is totally focused on Allah Ta'ala, which means that a person sits down, and as soon as they sit down, they begin engaging themselves in the dhikr of Allah Ta'ala. Their heart engages itself in the dhikr of Allah. This is, the, um, this is a very special state. You could say this is sort of the, you know, the cream of, of dhikr. When a person's able to sit down and focus on Allah, and for 20 minutes, a half an hour, or an hour, they're able to engage their heart in the dhikr of Allah Ta'ala. Now, for most of us, we won't be in this state. right? Most of us won't be in this state. There will be times during our muraqaba where, where we'll be in the state and we should cherish it, we should value it, and we should be grateful that Allah Ta'ala is allowing us to connect with Him to that, to that degree. So that's the first state. 
The second state of muraqabah is that a person is sitting down and nothing happens. Nothing happens. They try to focus. They sit down and there's nothing that's happening. Meaning they aren't able to imagine or they aren't able to perceive the name of Allah Ta'ala being, uh, being the dhikr of Allah Ta'ala being performed by their heart. What should happen if you're in that state is that you should try to focus back on Allah Ta'ala. Try to focus, 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 focus on your heart. And eventually over time, you'll begin to hear the name of Allah Ta'ala coming from your heart. The third state that a person can be in is that a person sits in muraqabah and they begin to think about something else. Something else comes into their mind. That something else could be, you know, the NBA finals that was on the night before. That thing could be, you know, their, uh, who, who just texted them on their cell phone. That thing could be what they need to buy from the grocery store. That thing can be their job. So many different things can come into our mind. And oftentimes we become very depressed because we try to engage in muraqabah and all we can think about is all of these these external thoughts that begin to come into our mind. This is a very important state to be in though. Because what a person does when they're because what what a person's doing when they're in this state is they're highlighting for themselves what is competing with them in Allah Ta'ala. Look, all of us have different challenges. When we become when we attempt to become close to Allah Ta'ala, we each have our own independent distractions. One person's distraction is different than the next person's distraction. And I can't tell you what your distraction is. No one else can tell you what your distraction is from Allah. Only you can tell yourself, these are the things that are competing with my relationship with Allah Ta'ala. You have to identify it. And when a person's in this state, they're very easily able to identify what their competition is with Allah. So if a person sits down in muraqabah and the only thing that's coming into their mind is, is football, for instance, then they know that football is what's competing, is what's distracting them from Allah. And maybe they have to spend some time away from, uh, from, from following you know, the NFL, for instance. If a person sits in muraqabah and all they're thinking about is their iPhone, and all is coming into their mind and maybe you know, the different apps that they have on there and when the newest iPhone is going to come out, then maybe that means they need to send, spend a little bit of time away from their phone because that's what's taking them away from Allah Ta'ala. Now this is so. This is a very helpful state to be in. You know, it's not something that we should be um, overly concerned about. Rather, we should take it as an opportunity for us to um, to to better our lives. Use this as an opportunity to better our lives. We evaluate those things that are taking us away from our focus of Allah Taala, and uh, and then begin to remove those things from our life. So that's the third state that a person can be in when they're in muraqabah. So muraqabah is very important. It's very important. Now, if we want depth in our muraqabah, then we have to spend time in it. It isn't sufficient for us to sit for five or ten minutes and expect that we're going to be able to become deep in our dhikr of Allah. We have to spend more time than that. The five or ten minutes is for the beginner, someone who's, you know, first couple of times that they're doing it and they want to try it out. That, that's who the five or ten minutes are for. But for most of us who have been trying this now for several months or several years, um, the goal should be 20, 30 minutes. And if someone's genuinely serious about becoming close to Allah, like they're, they're really serious, like I'm, I'm, I've had it, now I want to become close to Allah Ta'ala, I want to live a life that's pleasing to Allah Ta'ala, and that person needs to spend 45 minutes to an hour in Muraqabah.
every day, every day. But there shouldn't be a day that goes by where we where we aren't doing this. Um, there shouldn't be a day that goes by that we aren't doing it because this is how we reconnect with Allah Taala. Now you have the option. You can divide that hour up into thirty minutes and thirty minutes. You can divide it up into twenty, twenty, twenty. However you'd like to divide it up. Um, but you shouldn't divide it <coughs> up less than 20 minutes Because when you begin to do muraqabah And you've experienced this If you've ever done muraqabah It takes a good 5 or 10 minutes To actually remove all those thoughts from your mind right? Normally when you sit down muraqabah You have, you know, just the Not even the distractions in life per se But just, you know, what you were doing You just drove from the masjid And maybe, you know, somebody cut you off It takes a few minutes And then you, sit, you come to the masjid You sit down muraqabah It takes a few minutes to remove that You know, that thought of that, hap- that occurrence From your mind and from your heart so it takes five or ten minutes to actually begin to focus. So if you're only going to spend, if you're going to divide up your hour-long muraqabah into five-minute chunks every hour, then you're not going to be able to engage deeply into this form of dhikr. And again, this is a very special form of dhikr that will allow you to become close to Allah. So at, at the most, I would say, is if you're going to divide it up, then divide it up into 20 or 20, 20 minutes at a time. But the, the longer you do in one sitting, the deeper your muraqabah will be. Um, Many people ask the question, well, where can I do muraqabah? It can be done anywhere. You could do it anywhere in the world. So this is a form of dhikr. Allah Ta'ala can, will be able to, uh, you'll be able to uh, attract Allah Ta'ala's mercy wherever you are. The ideal place to perform any form of worship, for men especially, is in the masjid. Um, and so uh, if you are able to do muraqabah when you're in the masjid, then you should, you should certainly take advantage of that. One of the times that I find to be the best for muraqabah is the time before salah. And the reason for this is a fewfold. Number one, because when you come to the masjid for salah, normally we come at the time of the iqamah or after the salah has already occurred. So we miss out on that blessing of sitting in the masjid and waiting for the salah to occur. So if you come to the masjid, let's say you come for Maghrib every day or you come for Isha every day. This is outside Ramadan. What I'm talking about now is outside Ramadan. If you go to the masjid for, let's say you, go, you have a habit of going to the masjid for Fajr prayer or you have a habit of going for Isha prayer, then come a half an hour before Isha. Come and sit down after you pray your tahayt al-masjid. Sit down and just do muraqabah at that time. Because then you get the reward of being in the prayer. One of the sunnahs is to actually come to the masjid and wait for the salah to occur rather than the salah occurring and then you join the salah. So now you're able to fulfill that as well, that sunnah as well. The second advantage is that you will then do it in the masjid. Better than doing it at home is to actually do it in the masjid. A third advantage is that when you sit in muraqabah, what you're doing is you're filtering out all of those thoughts that are other than Allah Ta'ala from your mind and from your heart. So imagine if you did all of that before your salah, imagine the depth that you would be, the khushur that you would engage in when you're actually praying salah. Now look, muraqabah is not a goal. Muraqabah is a tool. Again, we're still in the second state of our spiritual path to Allah Ta'ala. And muraqabah is simply a tool for us to become close to Allah Ta'ala. And in fact, it's a tool for us to become more, uh, to become deeper in other forms of worship. So by doing muraqabah, a person then is able to develop more khushur in their prayer. By performing muraqabah, a person then, when they recite the Qur'an, now enjoys reading the Qur'an. Before, reciting the Qur'an was a burden. But when a person uh, spiritually purifies their heart with dhikr of the heart through muraqabah, now reciting the Qur'an becomes a pleasure. Before, when we would pray uh, our salah, then salah was a burden and it was a responsibility at best for us. Right? It's a responsibility. Our parents are making us do it. Or our families are making us do it. Or I just feel like I have this burden placed upon me by my Lord that I need to pray to Allah. But when a person does muraqabah and they purify and rectify their heart, then salah then becomes a pleasure for them. 
So if you engage in muraqabah before salah, then as a result, you then will be able to achieve a more khushur in your salah. And that's of course, uh, that's of course the goal. You know, whether or not you uh, perform, um, you know, muraqabah in your life, that's not a goal. That's not something you'll be asked about per se. But you, you will be asked about how deep you, you were in your prayer. So if you want depth in your prayer, then you should, you should engage in muraqabah, especially before, before the prayer. You could do it at any time, but this is sort of a, a good time to do it. So, and I'll, I'll wrap things up here, inshallah, in just a couple of minutes. So just remember that um, at this state, a person recognizes, this is, Sayyid, uh, Fila, this is when a person recognizes that they need an active routine in their life in order to become close to Allah. And there's no other way for a person to do this. There's no other way. And you, you have the option. I mean, you can run around and choose to become close to Allah however you, you know, you'd like. You know, I'm going to try to do it on my own. I'm going to try to come up with my own routine. I'm going to come up with this. I'm going to come up with that. You can do that. But I, I can guarantee you, two or three years from now, you'll come back and you'll say that, look, I haven't made any progress. What do I do? What do I do? So at, at this state, a person realizes the importance of the routine and they focus on the, that routine. The... Uh, the third stage, and this is not just academic, is called Sayyid Min Allah. And that is when a person becomes so focused on Allah Ta'ala that the rest of the world disappears from them. Meaning that it isn't that they aren't living in this world, they're still living in this world, but they're so conscious of Allah Ta'ala at all given points uh, during the day. You know, whatever they're engaged in, whatever their activities are, they're completely focused on Allah. Not only that, this is such a special state that that their only desire is Allah Ta'ala. Like that's they're so content, and they're so focused on Allah Taala that that's I mean everything becomes revolves around Allah Taala for that person. They recognize that everything happens because of Allah. When they see other people, they just think of that those other people as a reflection of Allah. When they're driving on the street, all they can think about is how the entire earth is the creation of Allah. When you know when that when they are. Uh, uh, when they're eating food All they're able to think about How this food is created by Allah Everything in this state This spiritual state Is then about Allah Ta'ala And this is of course A very special state to be in But a person will only reach this state Once they've traversed that second state And the final state is, uh, is Sayyid Ma'Allah And that's when a person Then returns back to reality If you will And in that state A person is constantly connected To Allah Ta'ala where they're constantly connected to Allah, they're constantly thinking about Allah, etc., etc., but they're interacting with people the way normal people interact, right? So a person, when they're in the third state, sometimes it might look as if that they're so engaged in the remembrance of Allah Ta'ala that they look, you know, maybe a bit different than the rest of society. But then when they move on to the fourth state, they return back to reality, and this is when that person is, uh, they look normal. They look like every other person. They don't look like someone of, you know, uh, that's that's odd or unusual. They look so completely normal, but their heart is constantly 100% of the time in the remembrance of Allah. And this is where the uh, we'll never reach the state. But this is um, well, let me put it this way: we'll never reach the state of the prophets. But the prophets had had this quality, which was that they were 100% of the time remembering Allah Taala. Their heart was 100% of the time connected to Allah. The prophets were like this. The Prophet even when he was sleeping. Even when he was sleeping, the heart of the Prophet was engaged in the remembrance of Allah Ta'ala. We'll never reach the state of the Prophets. It's just not possible. But, this is, but, but, if you, but the Prophets were normal people. 
I mean, they interacted with people normally. The way this Prophet ﷺ dealt with the problems of society, that was just, it was, it was normal. It wasn't that he was just, you know, neglecting the needs of people and that he was ignoring that people had real issues in this world, etc., etc. No, but the Prophets and all Prophets, the Prophet ﷺ and all Prophets, they were so connected to Allah Ta'ala constantly, but they, were, but they had returned, or they were in a place where they were able to um, engage and interact with people normally. So this is what the final state is, and this is the the ultimate. Uh, this is the final state uh, along this journey of of suluk. There's two just key points to remember. The first is um, uh, the fuel for this journey, which is muraqaba, which I already mentioned, and that it is essential that we all put time into our muraqaba. The second key key for anyone that desires to traverse the path of suluk and become close to Allah Ta'ala is that they have to do rabita. They have to do rabita. Rabita means that they have to stay in touch. They have to stay in touch. It's essential. You know, you can, and I said, you can try the journey of becoming close to Allah on your own or you can do it with a guide or someone that can help you, a teacher or someone that can bring you to Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala and that way is much easier. That way is much easier. And uh, what you do when you're when you're doing rabita is you are updating uh, you're updating with regards to how much muraqaba you're doing, what spiritual state you're in. You're updating with your a'mal, how much salah, you're, uh, how much Quran you're reciting, etc., etc. This is what my schedule looks like. And what happens when you do rabita is that you are able to get feedback from someone who has who is traversing this path and perhaps is further along along this journey. They can guide you and and uh, they can guide you and assist you along this journey toward Allah Taala. Um, so rabita is essential. The path requires assistance. This path requires assistance. So, is it time for the adhan already? Okay, uh, I'll be done in just one minute, inshallah. The path requires assistance. If people are serious about becoming close to Allah Ta'ala, then they must do rabita. At some regular interval, you must communicate and update on where you are uh, uh, with regards to your deeds. And this is, principle is applies to everything in life. If you have an assignment, you have a responsibility, you have homework, for instance, you complete that homework. If you keep it in your backpack and you never turn it in, you're never going to progress in your class. Right? If you, Every time we assign ourselves something, if we update and we turn it in, turn in that homework, then we'll actually see progress, whether it be in, your, in our dunya we studies, whether it be in our dini studies. There's no way that I could you know, get through my get through medical school for instance you will not be able to get through medical school by not taking a test or an exam or updating your teachers in some way shape or form on how you're making progress there's no way you'll ever get your degree when you graduate so rabita when it comes to suduk is essential you and i would say that it's of everything we've talked about right now it's the most important step or it's the most important um principle along this journey toward Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is staying in touch and keeping regular communication. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant you united tawfiq to become close to him. May Allah ta'ala uh, allow us to uh, engage ourselves deeply in his remembrance, be it through the remembrance of the tongue or through rem- the remembrance of our hearts. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala be pleased with us through the efforts that we're putting forth here and make us consistent in our deeds uh, during our time here and even after we leave. Wa akhira da'wana alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen.